0: Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope. Oh, no, this little light of mine. Hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul. The only way I know with love on the radio. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Young, live from the campus of Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. This is the Wolverine Broadcast Network. It's so great to broadcast for you for the first time in the studio. We're finally officially launched, and I've got an important show that we're going to be talking about. A lot of important issues regarding our faith and so much more. An important testimony you don't want to miss coming up in the second half of the show. That is a testimony from Elizabeth, uh, a very powerful story about her daughter and a difficulty that she underwent. And through prayer, prayer and miracles, we saw a complete transformation and answer to prayer and God's divine touch in the life of Elizabeth and her dear daughter. You don't want to miss that. Coming up, this is the Ryan Young Show. We're talking about a lot of fun things you don't want to go anywhere. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? Woo-hoo! All right, so it's March 22nd, 2022, uh, when I'm recording this show. Now, when you may be listening it, we're still figuring all that out, but as for March 22nd, 2022, it is National As Young As You Feel Day, and I picked this holiday because it was one of the ones for today's date, but also my last name's Young, so I thought I'd research a little bit about it, and so I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory to this holiday. So around 69 BC, Cleopatra used to take daily baths in donkey milk to make sure her skin remained soft and young. This skincare routine required a stable consisting of at least seven hundred donkeys yes you heard me right 700 donkeys Cleopatra had to use the donkey milk to take baths in order to make her skin look young and you know the world we live in today old people want to be young young people want to be old and it, it's all a crazy mess And the point of this holiday is that supposedly national as young as you feel day is basically forget whatever age you are right now celebrate the age that you want to be mainly young and go and do those things that you think you couldn't do when you older and you know the stories throughout the bible where women were past the age of giving childbirth but yet god was able to perform the miracle to bring them a child and so i guess this holiday in a sense is kind of like whatever age restriction you think you have right now where you're not able to maybe exercise as much as you want to do or or think somehow that you're you're not as capable of of conquering a thing and maybe writing a book or, or whatever it is This is supposed to break that mold. Another example, in 1513, the Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon went on a voyage in search of the Fountain of Youth. And this was a legendary fountain that apparently could bring an individual back from old age. And the fountain promised eternal life and everlasting, quote, youth. Uh, The explorer was unsuccessful in his attempt to locate the fountain because instead of finding this fountain of youth, he discovered Florida. Yeah, you heard me right, he discovered Florida. And so throughout history, you see examples of older people, older women and men, all throughout our history, wanting to be young. And I I guess I could give you another example. Maybe you you get the point of this national holiday. But the fun thing about these national holidays is I get to share some useless bit of information with you. Lighten the mood. Get ready for the day because the world we live in today, there's so much dark things happening, so much uh, chaos happening in the news when you turn on the TV. It's good to relax a little. It's good to hear some funny stories. So here's another one. The the, uh, the women in the Elizabethan era also did not grow old without a fight. They actually placed thin slices of raw meat on their faces to reduce wrinkles. It was believed that the meat would help tighten the skin and thus keep it from sagging. <laughs> also, this is another funny one. On noticing frown lines on her daughter Alice's face, Margaret Croson developed quote a brand Uh, of a product called frownies. And this was uh, this was created in 1889. And these were adhesive patches that held the skin taut to smooth out the wrinkles on your face. So I think you get the the gist of this story here um, of what this national holiday represents, being young, living a life to the fullest, no matter what age you are. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show live for the first time on the Wolverine Broadcast Network in studio on the campus of Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. It is such a joy to be here, and it's a joy to be able to continue to hopefully do this show on a regular basis. Um, and, And I've missed it. I got to be frank with you. I came from Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan. It was a great school. I was able to do the, the work on the radio, be the production director. Recently actually won best production, production director in the nation uh, but for college stations and it was a privilege to earn that award. And so I'm really grateful to be back on the air here at Grove City. And I got to tell you, the students here at Grove City are very similar to those at Hills, Hillsdale. They're working hard. You see them in the library. They're always got something that they're up to that they're doing and I see a similar tendency where we can be so caught up in all of the tasks that we have to do. So engrossed in our studies, in the books and in the writing assignments that we forget to look up, take a moment to take a deep breath, look up to the sky to thank the Lord above for our, our blessedness and the ability for us to live on this earth and to enjoy all that God has for us beyond even our studies. And so I know speaking from my own Struggles and my own difficulties. It's so easy for me to find myself overwhelmed, anxious, and, and really distraught by all the things that I have to do. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, in and, and a little bit about what season of life we're in right now. No matter what your age is, and that would be kind of a storm. I I think it would be fair to say that I, I've noticed that really in Christian papers, the Post, the Christian Post, and um, all sorts of other ones, they're calling this a post-Christian West. And they're they're basically saying that eventually we'll find ourselves in America in particular away from Christ and away from the very practices of faith that we believe in. And I hope this isn't true. I don't believe that it will be because i think there's so many individuals in our society and at this college and all across the nation that are standing up for the truth and they're really being awoken by what's taking place right now in the world with whether you're you're seeing what's taking place with this whole covid pandemic that we've dealt with and hopefully we're crawling out of i don't know fingers crossed there or maybe it's what we're seeing right now with the russian and ukraine conflict or inflation or or maybe when you're even just going to the gas pump down the street you pull up to the gas station and you see that your gas is now almost five dollars and you ask yourself my goodness I'm working all this these hours I'm making all this money just to put it right to the gas tank and so you can find yourself overwhelmed and anxious and so I guess it is fair to say that we're somewhat living in a storm right now. I mean, just look at the news just yesterday. I'm going to read some headlines for you. I mean, we're not we're not a political show anymore here on uh, the Wolverine Broadcast Network. The goal of this program is not actually to get caught up in all the politics. I think we've seen how divisive that can be based off of what we've witnessed over the course of the last couple of years. So, yes, I'll bring in uh, current events and news taking place, but it's always going to be mainly focused on our faith now going forward, and, you know, if you followed the show for years. We've got many listeners, loyal listeners out there, maybe who have been wondering where I went while I'm back. But if you followed it, you know, sometimes I do get caught up in politics and that's going to change hopefully here at the Wolverine Broadcast Network. But let me share uh, some of the the most recent news stories just to give you a perspective of this quote storm or potential formation of a post-Christian west. So just yesterday four US soldiers were killed in a plane crash during a NATO exercise. The White House warned yesterday that the Russian government is exploring options for potential cyber attacks. Public health experts warned that a more transmissible version of the Omicron variant may fuel a surge of COVID COVID. COVID-19 infections in the U.S. In the continuing strategy to normalize LGBTQ activity, the movie Lightyear, based on the story of Buzz Lightyear, is going to feature Pixar's first same-sex kiss. And those are just stories just yesterday. And I don't know about you, but all of that was negative. All of that was upsetting. All of that just puts you in a bad mood. And I think it does portray this storm that I was mentioning. The storm that we're living in right now where our faith is somewhat dismissed as kind of uh, fringe or conspiracy, where the truth is dismissed as a lie, where fact is labeled as fiction, where objective moral truth is thrown out, disregarded, and labeled as hateful. Would you say that that's true? Well, recent study, recent survey, actually, that just came out, and it was done by several colleges and universities. They interviewed and asked these questions to over a thousand people, and the results were shocking. 72% of Americans say right now that the nation's moral compass is pointed in the wrong direction. 72% of Americans based on this survey. That's a lot of people but you you might say to yourself well 72% of americans say that this is pointed in the wrong direction that's good that that's that high uh, of americans that are recognizing this and i would have to concur with you there but let let me let me share one important aspect of what this survey found so yes they say 72 percent of americans say the nation's moral compass is pointed in the wrong direction but when they try to analyze and, and basically determine what it is that they classify as their moral compass from these same groups of individuals listen to this let me see if i can find it right real quick So out of these people, 65% of Americans do not think being religious is necessary to live a moral life. Are you getting this? Are are you capturing this? It's kind of complicated. Let me explain it one more time. So 72% of Americans say the nation's moral compass is pointed in the wrong direction, yet 65% of these people that were interviewed think being religious is not necessary to live this moral life or, or have that, quote, moral compass. So you might say, well, yeah, 72%. That's great that Americans notice that and that they're speaking up. But out of the, those people, 65% don't even recognize the fact that religion and Christianity and the truth of Jesus Christ and what he did for us to die on a cross to save us from the, the really the, the cost and the, the depravity that we honestly have brought upon ourselves. They don't recognize that Jesus is important. And so evermore, and what we're dealing with right now in this world, that we have to stand up. We have to be bold. We have to share the truth. No matter what the consequences might be, you have to let the chips fall where they may. You're going to be persecuted. You might even be fired. You might be labeled as an extremist. But no matter what it is, we must stand firm in the gospel, stand firm for what Jesus Christ has taught us and what he continues to teach us in this world that we're living in right now. And I have to tell you, the audience that we have here at the college are obviously college-age students, but also communities and hopefully countries and states all around the world. Hopefully, we'll expand that far eventually. But as of right now, those on Grove City College's campus and in universities across the nation, it's ever more important. Because once I share the same same study, they just found out that only 21% of 18 to 29-year-olds actually even attend religious services. Only 21% of 18 to 29-year-olds even attend religious services. That is very low, perhaps the lowest, I think, ever in our nation's history. And so you have a very important role here at the college beyond your studies. And I know that might sound shocking. You might say, well, whatever whatever you do, just don't tell your advisor or your teachers or whatever that. But I think we here at Grove City College especially understand this that yes, we're here to learn, yes, we're here to grow in our knowledge and be able to hopefully one day get that dream job. But we also are here to share the gospel, to be modern-day disciples to our community, to our classmates, to our dorm mates, to everyone we come into contact with. And when you hear that shocking statistic that only 21% of those our age and a little bit older attend religious services you might you might begin to call that into question you might really understand the full depth of what we're dealing with here now, maybe you're, you're of that spectrum that, that maybe you don't attend religious services, maybe you just can't find that right church, and I don't blame you, it's difficult for sure, especially in the, the world we live in right now, it's super polarized, we've got all of these various doctrines, whether it be politically slanted or not, and maybe you just haven't found that dream church yet, and I struggle with that. So so maybe you do, maybe you do believe in Jesus, but you're not attending religious services, Okay, so then then you do fall uh, under that category with the only 21% of 18-year-olds attend religious services, and you're not one of them, So, but you're still a believer. I understand that. I'm not judging you there. Hopefully, you'll be able to find a church. I struggle with that. But The important thing is this next statistic that I'm going to share with you. And obviously, I mean, I'm not a huge statistics guy. I'm actually currently taking a statistics class here to meet the requirements at Grove City, and it's tough, but I'm learning how to use it, and I'm not a math guy, so maybe I'm getting a little too caught up in the statistics today, but here's just one more for you real quick. Only 31% of young adults say they believe in God as described by the Bible. Let me repeat, only 31% of young adults say that they believe in God as described by the Bible. So we've got 31% of adults, young adults, college age students that say that they believe in God according to what scripture says. It's heartbreaking to hear, it's devastating. And you thought maybe over the covid pandemic, that makes a little bit of sense. Churches were closing. Everything was shutting down. We had all sorts of issues taking place with the governors and, and, and the politicians shutting things down for various purposes, no matter what you believe in there. We saw that churches were shutting and so you say well i guess that makes a little bit of sense people aren't having having given that opportunity to be exposed to the gospel but even after these churches have been reopened even after we have access to go and attend um unfortunately these the survey shows that church attendance has still been dwindling and so you have to ask yourself is it solely the responsibility of americans is it solely our fault that so many people aren't wanting to attend church, so many people are refusing to uh, devote their lives to the God of the Bible? Or could it potentially be somewhat the fault of churches? And obviously, I'm not here to attack churches. I admire those that dedicate their lives to sharing the gospel, to, to ministering to people. I think that takes serious sacrifice. Answering the call that God places in your heart to become a servant for his people is admirable. But ask yourself this. Are the churches currently in America and the modern day churches truly living up to what all God has called the churches to be? Or is there seeming to be a lack of authenticity in Christianity? It's become just a religion, not a relationship. It's become this kind of ever, um, whatever floats, evergreen, God is good, woe is me, here's a little news of encouragement. We'll take out the uh, parts that offend you here in the Bible. Uh, We'll refer to it as historical documents. All you need to know is Jesus is your friend, he's right there by your side, and we're going to walk to salvation. Is that what churches have become? And I, I just pose that question out to you today. I think partially yes. I think we're finding ourselves in that area, but partially no as well. And let's try to break this down a little bit. How authentic is your church? How authentic really are believers? Because at the end of the day, a church is simply a group of believers in communion with Christ. And so, if we're not walking authentic lives, if we're not obviously showing signs of uh, distinction and difference between that of a non-believer and a believer, why would any non-believer want to have what we have? And I am guilty of this. I am. Don't don't mistake this. Don't mistake me as speaking from this high soapbox, high pedestal, preaching down at you. That is not it. I struggle with this. I find myself completely distraught at times upset by what's taking place, overly consumed by the world news, angered and embittered, hard-hearted, crusty. But at the end of the day, what matters most is being authentic. What matters most is acknowledging the fact that you don't have all the answers. You are not this perfect person. There was only one perfect perfect person on this earth, and his name was Jesus, and thank God he loves us, he gives us grace, and he is there for us no matter how many times we stumble and fall. And you see, that message is good, but what are the churches potentially leaving out? Are they leaving out the fact that when you stumble, when you fall, that there is consequences to sin? That, you know, there are certain ways, certain lifestyles that we cannot live as Christians, that God has called us to something higher, that we cannot be caught up in sexual depravity, in the lusts of our flesh, in greed, Let me remind you of a a, a verse here, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, Let, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this alone, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness on the earth and in the earth. So there we go. We've got the perfect verse there to look at. The perfect description of, of what we are actually to boast in. And you know that that I think is the root of where I fall short sometimes. Sometimes I boast in um, I can become arrogant. I might think I have the answers. I might think that ooh because I won this special award here, which is really meaningless to the to the, in the kingdom of God. That that all of a sudden I'm I'm not somehow more worthy of salvation than the next guy. It's flawed thinking. And so I think when we answer this question of the storm that we're living in right now and the, the seemingly uh, difficulties that we're undergoing where, where youth are falling away from the church, falling away from Christianity, we have to turn back to the, to the very real idea that authenticity is what truly matters. And so I'm, I'm trying to do my part here to just acknowledge the fact that I fall short, I stumble I make mistakes. And you know, these past couple weeks for me have been difficult. You find yourselves on the valleys and the mountaintops. And it can be hard. And you know, sometimes you feel as though you're all alone. You don't really know what to do, why you're here. What's the point of studying what you're studying? Why is it that you feel like you're stuck in this never-ending, torturous education system? And maybe you're not as extreme as me. I'm a very emotional person. So I take it to the nth degree. When I don't feel good, everybody knows it. So what am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you, be authentic. Acknowledge the fact that you are here at Grove City College, whether you like it or not right now. And it's beyond those classes that you don't like. It's beyond those friendships that you have or that you're struggling to make. It's about sharing the gospel, being a light in this ever-darkened world. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on the Wolverine Broadcast Network, WBN. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Ryan Young Show live right now on Wolverine Broadcast Network. We're sharing a little bit of good news. We just talked a lot about all the storms that we're in, but I thought it was important I share something that was uplifting, something that was important and actually even connects a little bit to our national holiday today. And and remember what it was. It was about the older people trying to be more like the young. And so that's what we're going to talk about. A World War II veteran decides to become a children's book author at age 95 what an awesome story here listen to this sam barker now 99 years old he lives in scottsdale arizona he served in the marines from 1942 to 1947 he later embarked on a career with the u.s coast guard and the geodetic survey now the national oceanic and atmospheric administration and when his children were young he read to them every day and would make up his own stories about a worm named herman When Baker decided to start writing four years ago, his son encouraged him to turn his Herman tales into a book. And he did just that publishing, quote, The Silly Adventures of Petunia and Herman the Worm. Awesome story. A World War II veteran at age 95 years old publishes, becomes an author, writing children's books. If that's not encouraging for you, if that does not give you a little perfect example of what we can do in this world right now to make a difference no matter what age you are, It's as simple as a World War II veteran at age 95 years old publishing wholesome children's books. I thought it was great. I wanted to share it with you, especially in everything that we're dealing with right now. I'm Ryan Young, and this is the Wolverine Broadcast Network live from the campus of Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. So what I like to do here on the Ryan Young Show, each time I can, whenever it's possible, I like to share a testimony of a miracle that took place in the life of a Christian. And this can be any story, maybe someone, how they became a Christian, how God has transformed their life, and we have a powerful testimony I want to share with you today. I teased it a little bit earlier if you were listening, and it's a story from a woman named Elizabeth about her daughter that basically um, God works in a mighty way to transform her life. I want you to listen to it, and I also want to let you guys know, if you have a testimony, a powerful story of how God worked in your life, maybe a miracle that took place in your own child's life, or maybe here on campus, anything at all, feel free to send it to me. All you got to do is use the Voice Memos app on your phone, pull it out and record and send it to me. My email is youngrm21 at gcc.edu. Y-O-U-N-G-R-M-21 at gcc.edu. Here's Elizabeth's testimony.
1: I wanted a daughter so badly. Ten years go by and I've given up hope. I thought I was sick, so I went to my doctor and I am now almost 40 years old and he tells me I'm pregnant and I said, I am not pregnant. But from the moment I found out I was pregnant, one thing after the next, almost instantly, they told me she had spinal bifida. Showed me the hole in her spine. Told me they could do some experimental surgeries. Told me that maybe I should reconsider about even having her. And uh, I was devastated, I just, they told me she'd neither walk nor talk; that she'd probably never get up out of the bed. And uh, we decided that no matter what she was, we'd love her. Uh, we we started walking to the word car, and I got in the car, and I was uh, I was shaken, you know, I was terribly shaken, and I just closed my eyes for a moment. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord speak to my heart and say, "Your daughter will dance on the streets of Jerusalem." And I was like, "Whoa! (laughs) Was that God? You know, uh, I'm not really one to hear the voice of God so profoundly." And I just started thinking of it, and I was still trying to to find my way through this dilemma we were in. And Mike turned on the car. And I reached up to start changing the radio station and I ran across a song that started just blaring. And it was a a country song by Leanne Wormick. And it said, I hope you dance. And I just looked at Mike and I was like, that's a confirmation. Our daughter will dance. And so one night, just flipping through the pages of the Bible, I ran across this scripture and it said, He will perfect those things which concern you. And instantly, I thought, this baby concerns me, and so God will make her perfect. And I thought that I would go back to the doctor and he would say, oh, no, everything's good. Everything's, it's wonderful, but he didn't. And so we just kept praying and I kept laying my hands on my stomach and praying, you're perfect, child, you're so perfect. God's made you perfect. You concern me, you concern him. And so we went back to the doctor, and they told me that she, her heartbeat was almost gone and that I had a choice. I could go ahead and deliver her, and she'd probably be stillborn. Or they could go ahead and do something and uh, remove her altogether. But still, Mike and I held on to the promise that he would perfect her. And they did another scan, and and she ran out, and she come back, and she said, we must have the... wrong scan and she came back in and then the doctor came in and he's like i can't explain it but that hole in her spine is not there anymore i went in on a monday morning they induced my labor we lost her heartbeat three or four times and on tuesday in the afternoon we gave birth to a daughter and for a moment when i was laying there i was thinking oh what if she's not right what if she's what if there's something wrong with her? What if what if she can't talk? What if she doubt just filled my mind? And uh, the doctor immediately looked at her and I said, oh, please tell me, tell me, is she okay? And he looked, not knowing what God had spoke to me and he said, she's perfect. <laughs> then I held her and I looked at her and I thought, wow, what a miracle you are. And now, 20 years later, she dances. She's our worship leader. She's our children's pastor. And honestly, from the time she was born, she was dancing to music and then took 13 years of dance. And uh, still to this day, she can dance beautifully. But that was the word of the Lord. Your daughter will dance on the streets of Jerusalem.
0: Powerful testimony from a woman named Elizabeth about her daughter who had spina bifida, who was now able to walk, transformed, able to dance, able to overcome that setback that all of the doctors told her she was not going to be able to overcome. And and that's beautiful story of how God is able to step in, intercede, even when it seems medically impossible to do so. If you have a testimony like Elizabeth's or something completely different, feel free to send me one, youngrm21 at gcc.edu.
1: In all of our questions, all of our searching, when we are wrestling, you don't let go. The questions come, but you remain.
0: The best. All right, I've got an important question for you before we end out the show, and it's a a good one, I think, that'll get us thinking about what we can do to transform our life. What's the last thing you do before bed and the first thing you do in the morning? Take a moment, think about this. What is the last thing that you do before bed and the first thing that you do in the morning? Perhaps it's looking at your phone, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you get on your knees, you thank God for the beautiful day, you open the curtains, you look at the beautiful sunshine or rain, whatever it is, and you glorify God. That would be amazing, but I think it would be pretty rare in the world we live in today. I know for me, myself, I find myself looking into my cell phone, whether that be turning off my alarm, checking my phone, turning on my alarm before I go to sleep, Whatever it is, it seems to be consumed by a smartphone. And I've got my smartphone right here in front of me. In fact, I keep clicking it just to see if I've got any messages while I'm doing the show. That's how uh, pervasive it's become in my life. And it's a horrible thing. It's something I'm working on. And I think it's something that's typical right now for college-age students that are dealing with this. So I, I guess the question is, the reason why I'm pointing it out is, when was the last time you've experienced undistracted boredom? That might be a weird thing to say, but when's the last time you've experienced undistracted boredom? No, music doesn't count. You see, I think we are no longer able to just be still. We always are distracted by something. When you're waiting for uh, a dentist appointment, when you're getting a haircut, whatever you're doing. You, you probably open your phone, you probably click through it. Maybe you just even fiddle with the lock screen or, or just scroll through your Instagram feed. Who knows what you're doing, but it's not really uh, present. It's passive, right? Well, the reason why I wanted to point out this this question and bring this to, att- to our attention is because what Scripture is commanding of us. Remember, Scripture commands a weekly stillness on the Sabbath, and our bodies are designed for the daily stillness of sleep That's where we trust the sovereignty of God to uphold all things together. My soul to keep. Remember the burden find their rest in Jesus, Matthew 11. Yet, why is it that our phone has become our main source of mental burden? Remember, it's always on. It provides instant access to work that, quote, needs to be done. It's almost like a drug. It's almost like an addiction at this point. How long can you go without taking a hit? Maybe it's every five minutes. Maybe it's in between every class. You got to make sure you didn't miss the, the latest news. For me, at least, that's what I'm always looking at. Or maybe you're looking for a text from your friend or you're scrolling through Instagram to see who's got the best vacation. Spring break is just was just recently. So maybe that's what you're thinking about. And I've been reading a book, and and this is going to connect. You'll see how I do it. Maybe it seems weird how I'm going to connect this. But I've been reading a book called The Listening Life. It's written by Adam McHugh. And I want to share some quotes that he wrote about. The importance of quieting ourselves down, listening and really paying attention to what's taking place in the world. What's taking place in terms of also what God might be trying to communicate to you. Because you realize if we're never still if we're never quiet enough to just listen, to be alone with God, how is it that we expect, how are we to expect to hear anything from Him? And and that's, I think, something that's that hits a little deep, right? I know with the people that I've come into contact with and talked, the, talked about the gospel with, I always seem to find a, a similar central element tendency that that is communicated in this world today. It's that the God of the Bible performed wonderful miracles, and we're to look at those miracles uh, to see how amazing God is. But in terms of our own life, rarely do we hear anything from him. Rarely do we see any miracles. That's what I've been told, but it's not accurate. It's... Farthest from the truth, the same God, the same Jesus who walked on this earth years ago, who died to save us from our sins, that bestowed the Holy Spirit within our souls when we became Christians and dedicated our life to him, that same God is alive and well in us today. And he's still performing miracles of biblical proportion. So, if you're one of these people, and I don't blame you, who right now you you say you know I, I don't hear from God. I, I really don't hear anything. I mean, I read the Bible, I pray, I love to do all of those things, but I don't hear anything from Him. Well, one piece of advice I'd give you, if I'm if I'm so allowed, I know this might be unsolicited for some of you. I just know for me what works, what's needed is to actually quiet oneself down. And I struggle with that. You can tell I got a big mouth, right? I love to talk, highly emotional. But to really just quiet oneself down. And you might say, well, you know, I, I do that. I, I listen to some music and I relax and I, I pray. That's a beautiful thing. But I mean complete quiet, quiet. Not at a coffee shop where there's a lot of talking and distractions. Not with earbuds on or headphones in, but truly just quiet. And my question for you is, when you're in that complete solitude, alone, quiet, with nothing to distract you except the Word of God, which is a beautiful distraction, do you begin to feel, I don't know, kind of antsy, kind of nervous, kind of uncomfortable or depressed? If so, then, I mean, I, I suppose you're doing the right thing in the sense that you're truly with God. But why is it that you feel that way? Why is it that you're all of a sudden unable, incapable, or having the need or, or the, the desire to take a hit on that addiction of the cell phone or distraction? And so let, let me share some quotes here from the book, The Listening Life. Here we go. Life in this world seemed, sometimes has the feel of an emergency response scene, a cacophony of blaring sirens, screams, barking dogs, and crisscross messages. It seems like there is no escape from noise. A writer from the new Atlantis called the relentless stimulation we encounter through our personal technology emails, text videos, podcasts, quote, the great electronic din. It's like, Eating every meal in a loud, packed restaurant, we are tempted to close our ears just to protect ourselves, yet the noise creeps in, making it exceptionally difficult to create the internal quiet necessary for true listening. Many of us lament how difficult it is to find stillness and to carve out calm amid the chaos, but the absence of quiet may actually reveal a resistance to quiet. Are we afraid of the voices in our heads that might start speaking if we took the time to truly be silent? Would we, would we be turning up the volume on our fears, regrets, or insecurities? We may subconsciously choose to be immersed in outer noise because it is more comfortable than facing the internal chatter. Maybe this hits home for you. It's hit home for me in many times in my life where we're actually, the reason why we have to be totally immersed in the sounds and everything that's taking place is because we can't answer to those internal voices, the internal chatter within us. The despair, the despondency, the former hurt. But guess what God calls us to do? He calls us to be still and know that I am God. To quiet ourselves, to come before the Lord, bringing our burdens and laying them at His feet. We're not made to carry it. Think about it this way. You carry backpacks and say you're in five classes right now. You've got so many books that you're taking in each for each class and that you have to carry in your backpack. What if I told you, you got to carry all of those books in your backpack all at the same time. You have to have them all stuffed into your backpack. And not only that, you got to go to the library. You got to take a whole shelves full of books, stuff it all into your backpacks and walk around all day. I can tell you by the end of the day, your back is going to be killing. You're going to need medicine. You're going to need help. You're not going to need to be protected from the very pain that you're dealing with. You may even need to get a chiropractor. And if that's the case, imagine spiritually here. So we're taking this metaphor out of its, out of its idea and moving it into another one. That is that all of that pain, all of that hurt that you're carrying with those books, each one of those books represents your own internal struggle that you're dealing with right now. So you might be dealing with, I don't know, depression, anxiety. You have a heart relationship. You have a struggle in life. Maybe you have a a difficulty with a family member. Maybe you're struggling in a class. Maybe you just feel alone. Each one of those things, let's, let's do this metaphorically here. Each one of those things is a metaphorical, ginormous encyclopedia weighing you down within your backpack that you're carrying on this road, on this class, which is called life. And guess what God is calling you to do? Lay it all down. Take the backpack off, set it before his feet. And guess what? He's going to walk with you to class right behind you, carrying your backpack, or you can even hold your hand all the way into class, carrying your load. You'll have the shoulders to bear what God puts him for you, before you, and he'll be right there to carry whenever you need him. So why is it then that we feel the need to carry it all? Why is it that we actually reject Jesus Rip the backpack that is ours off his shoulders and carry it ourselves. We can't be independent. You think, well, I want to show myself. I want to prove to myself, to God, that uh, I'm capable of handling it, of carrying it. You can't prove it to God. God made you. You're not capable. Nothing apart from God is blessed. He alone is the blessing. And so think about this verse, Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not for I can do all things because I am strong or I lifted the most weights or I carry the most books to class. I can do all things because I'm an independent, free-thinking individual. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's beautiful. Let me share another quote from the book real quick. Here we go. Quote, I had a memorable lunch a few years ago with my friends, Mike and Claudia, who had recently returned from Malawi, a small country in southeastern Africa. We were sitting in a booth at one of those chain restaurants that has a 27 page menu. That booth was my front row seat to culture shock. Mike and Claudia picked up the menu and quickly developed the proverbial African wild beast. wild, let me see, wild beast in headlights glare. The server came and went several times trying to take our orders, but Mike and Claudia could not make a decision. Paralyzed by the sheer variety of options, Claudia explained, in Malawi, you have your choice of two options, chicken or chicken. There are just so many choices here. Everything sounds just so good. That's a funny story. Here, listen to the rest of this. We have an infinite buffet of options and everything sounds so good. Whether we realize it or not, we are persistently serenaded by a cacophony of voices that battle for our souls, each seducing us with promises of fullness. Marketing experts say that Americans living in large cities are exposed to as many as 5,000 advertisements per day. In such a world, we have the freedom to be the ultimate selective listeners. If one voice doesn't deliver what is promised, we can always listen to another voice that will offer us more. It's kind of that idea of an echo chamber. So we have so many choices out there, so many people competing for our attention. And guess what? Our God is a humble God. He's not going to scream. He's not going to yell over us. He's right there knocking knocking on the door of your heart softly he's not banging it he's not knocking it down and so when you have all of these distractions will you truly be able to hear God knocking at your heart and trying to lead you to a much better life and so I I suppose I should offer some sort of challenge to end the show today and that would be one that I'm trying to limit your iPhone use whatever phone you have, limit smartphone use. It's really not a smartphone. It's a dumb phone. But anyways, limit the use of the distraction. Maybe that's simply deleting a social media app or a game and really just trying to be more present, be more quiet and spend time more with God. And that's kind of the idea. I actually came across a new phone. It's called the light phone and their slogan's great. It's designed to be used as little as possible. That's their slogan. It's very simplistic. It's kind of like a Kindle is what it looks like in terms of the screen, the whiteness of the screen. And all it has is phone text, uh, Bluetooth capability, uh, music. And that's about it. No social media apps, no internet browsing, none of that. It's literally designed to be used as little as possible. Maybe you don't have to go as far as that, but I'm currently contemplating purchasing one of these because I think it's that important that we capture this and we understand this and we conquer the addiction of what has emerged in a modern day culture of the smartphone. But wherever you are, wherever you stand on this issue, maybe it's not as big of a struggle for you as it is for me. I challenge you this. Be more present with those around you. Share the gospel more freely. Spend time truly in silence with your Lord and Savior, who loves you more than anyone else in this entire world, and more than anyone who ever could possibly love you. And that should be some encouragement for you today. I'm Ryan Young and this has been the Ryan Young Show live right now on WBN, the Wolverine Broadcast Network here at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. Feel free to reach out to me, my email, youngrm21 at gcc.edu or on Instagram at realryanmyoung. I'll hear you. I'll talk to you soon, hopefully, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Bye bye.